You're listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. And welcome to our latest edition of the CAMS Talk podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined by two members of our staff and two of our young people. And we're going to be speaking today about the anxieties that young people and families might have in returning to school or education after the lockdown period. So today we have with us Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Hi. My name's Lucy and I'm a service user at Bedford Camps. Thank you. And Jay, hi. Hi, I'm Jay and I'm an ex-service user at Bedford Camps. Thank you. And we've got Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm an assistant psychologist with uh, Bedford NDT. Thank you. And Sergei. Hi, my name's Sergei. I'm also an assistant psychologist in the NDT in Luton. Lovely. Thank you. And welcome to, this is your first podcast, isn't it, ladies, with us? Yeah, it is. (laughs) So first of all, could you um, tell us what is the CAMS NDT team, firstly, and then what what does your role as an assistant psychologist entail? Um, So the NDT team is the neurodevelopmental team. and it focuses on young people who have neurodevelopmental difficulties and that could be anything along the lines of intellectual disability, autism, um, global delay Um, yeah and it just focuses basically on helping them it's a little more adapted to their needs. Um, In regards to an assistant psychologist we work alongside a clinical psychologist who supervises our work and make sure that if we have any challenges or difficulties, they help us along the way. Brilliant. Thank you. And you're based, one of you is based in Luton and one of you is based in our our Bedford team. Is that right? Yes. Lovely. Okay. So as I mentioned then, today we're going to be talking about um, the anxieties in returning to school. It's been such a long time, hasn't it? Um, Lucy, when was the last time that you had any form of a lesson? I went actually and checked the other day. It was the beginning of April that my lesson stopped um, since I was with the medical needs team. Okay, so you weren't attending full-time education. You were having one-to-one sessions, is that right? Yes, uh, at home. Okay, and you've just gone through the quite stressful um, time of sort of GCSEs and how's that been for you? Odd. I guess I kind of expected it to be odd, even as things as they were, Um, because I think everyone is in a unique position. And for me, it was that I really hadn't had a good time at all, whether I was in school and with my education at home. So it was, you know, conflicting because it's kind of like I've been through all this stress for these results, but I also somewhat don't care about them. (laughs) And how did you do? Because obviously, you know, you didn't actually get the opportunity to sit your exams, did you? You've done all that work to prepare for Mm. them. Um, So how how did you do with your exams in the end? 
I did well. I was happy with my results, which is good. Brilliant. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. you. And Jay, how about you? When was your last actual lesson? Ooh, um, probably the end of March, really. I was just studying one A-level, like, part-time. Um, and just probably two weeks before my exam, um, we had to stop. So it was kind of... I was lucky in the fact that my subject was mainly coursework based, so a lot of my work had been handed in, and I just handed in my exam prep. Um, I didn't actually get to make my final piece, which was a shame. Um, but yeah, um, it was strange just having to stop. And you just received your results as well? I did, yes. Yeah, that was good. I, I'm really happy with my result. That's really good. Congratulations to you both. Um, so do these sound like common sort of themes, Rachel and Sevgi, that you, you've experienced in the young people that you're dealing with and your caseloads? Yeah, I, I know that a lot, of, a lot of young people, there was a lot of uncertainty around the exams, wasn't there? And I think um, it's been really hard because it hasn't looked the way people expected it to. I think people know what exams look like and then all of a sudden things are very different. Um, so it's good to hear that you're both both happy um, with how things went. Um, and I think if there's anyone out there who isn't happy with how things went as well, um, that's okay. It's not been a year like everyone was expecting and the exams weren't like everyone expected this year. So just, just to be nice to yourselves, I think, at the moment. And I guess there's um, also already a lot of anxiety based around GCSEs and um, A-levels and just completing those are quite stressful generally. So having the extra lockdown and COVID situation, I guess, must have added a lot of stress to a lot of people. I wondered if, if that was um, the experience that, that you guys had. Um, Lucy, if you don't mind me asking you, did it feel very stressful this year from, from your experience? Um, for me, it's almost slightly backwards because, well, obviously, um, lockdown and the pandemic has has been stressful in its own way because it's it's new and you know frightening. But I was having such a bad time in my education. I've never had too many problems academically, but with my mental health issues, I had to leave school and then I started medical needs lessons at home and. Uh, I was pretty miserable, to say the least, really unhappy. Um, so for me, actually, not having to do the exams felt like the biggest gift from the universe of all time. It was like the perfect thing for me. Um, but there's also that conflict, because I know for a lot of people, it was probably the worst. So there's such different situations for everybody, which is tricky. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is it the situation hasn't been the same for any two people? I mean, obviously, neither of you, because you were coming to the end of your education within the establishments that you were at, um, you weren't actually receiving an ongoing education, were you? So you're both you're both starting sort of a new stage of your education, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Lucy, what are your plans for September? Is it next week, the week after? Uh, I should be starting with beginning the 14th, but I'm yet to get my timetable. But I'm um, starting Level 3 Music Tech at Bedford College, which I'm really looking forward to. 
Fantastic. And Jay? I'm also starting at Bedford College as well. Um, and like you, I, I don't know when I'm starting, which is a bit stressful. Um, but I'm studying a foundation year in art and design. Brilliant. They both sound like really exciting courses. Yeah. You'll have to look out for each other walking around the campus. Definitely. So, yeah. <laughs> so is, is there... Um, what are your experiences, Sevgi and Rachel, with young people? Um, firstly, I think if we can think about the young people that are starting somewhere new, um, and especially, I think, young people that um, don't cope well with change, that must, this must be a really, really challenging time. So you've got, the, you've got the dealing with the change, but also the fact that it's been such a long period of time since they've actually you know, been in a school situation? Yeah, um, a lot of people that I have actually spoken to firsthand um, are having a lot of anxiety at the moment just because they don't know what anything's going to look like and how when they do go to school or go to college, they don't know what that's going to look like. So even though they would have had anxiety before if they were starting college for the first time, this time it's like double and it's more anxiety-provoking for them. Um, a lot of people also don't have much knowledge from school and college in terms of what um, what they need to do or how they need to follow the rules to keep them each everyone safe. So a lot of that is kind of anxiety provoking. Um, I don't know, Rachel, if you found the same, but yeah, I'd, I'd second that and say um, just just to reflect on on what you said, Lucy, that actually for a lot of people it's been quite containing being at home it's been quite nice in a lot of ways um i think we know what to expect at home the lessons have been virtual there's a lot of the stress taken off and all of a sudden i think um again from some of the young people i've spoken to they're being thrown back into school it feels very quite suddenly i can imagine it feels um so i think it, it's completely understandable to feel very anxious and very overwhelmed um, there might also be a bit of excitement in there as well there might be that looking forward to going back and seeing friends or and I think that's um, a really good thing to reflect on and think about is actually there's no right way to feel there's no one thing that's gonna gonna feel right at the moment um, but yeah I, I think um, something that one um, person that I've spoken to suggested might be helpful is doing that kind of run through before um, it might sound counterintuitive, so it might sound like it's a scary thing to, to, to speak to teachers or speak to um, tutors and ask what things are like. But actually, the more information we can get, the better, I think, about what, what to expect. I don't know if, if anyone agrees with that or whether. Yeah, definitely. I think it might sound odd, but it wouldn't surprise me if other people, particularly those with an ASC diagnosis as well, feel similar to me in this, is that I felt kind of OK being at home. And I would like to go back, but it's the half and half that stresses me out. So school starting, but half of it being at home or things being open, but you have to do this, this and this. It's, I find it really difficult because it feels just wrong. There's yeah, a lot of uncertainty, isn't there? Yeah, I guess it comes back to um, adapting to the new norm because no one kind of knows what that's going to actually look like until it actually happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think something like you said, uh, Rachel, I feel very mixed about going to college. Like I'm really excited because school was never like easy for me, but it was routine and I liked that 
structure in the day and not having any plans in the day has just been a bit chaotic for me. Um, but then when I transitioned from like middle school to upper school, um, the transfer day was really helpful for me because it helped me look around, meet my teachers, meet my classes. Um, and I had like a separate one as well with other people with SEN. Like we went on a separate day and had a, a more detailed tour, which was really helpful. And I think the college were thinking of offering that, but obviously now that can't happen. So I don't know what my rooms are going to look like. I don't know what my tutors look like. Um, I've never spoken to them just through email. And it's just those uncertainties that are quite anxiety provoking, whether it was lockdown or not. But obviously with lockdown, we haven't been able to have those days. They've all been cancelled or moved online. Yeah, and it's not the same online. I know for me, with my anxieties, what I want to do is I feel like if I can arm myself with as much knowledge as possible before I go in, I'm less likely, you know, it's one less thing that's going to throw me. So it feels like, you know, a lot of those things that I would normally want to have access to have kind of dropped away, which is really difficult. There's so many different things to take into consideration, isn't there? Um, did you did either of you get the opportunity to visit the college at all prior to um, locking down? So when you first initially applied for your courses? Thankfully, I did, not even on an open day because I missed it because I was looking at a different one. Uh, so we got in contact with the course lead and we went to look at some of the places. So, you know, in hindsight, very grateful that we did that because it was like just before everything shut down and we didn't know I wasn't going to be able to go again. Um, but it wasn't the same in that, you know, we saw, say, the computer rooms and then that was about it. It wasn't like a general college open day yeah um I didn't get to look around because I didn't actually apply until quite late so there was only one it was after like the third open day or whatever of the year like there was only one left which was the one that they had to cancel um and I think it was definitely yeah that's that's a big thing for me because I I like to know my way around I like like I went I probably looked around last year or the year before when it was like an option before I did other things. Um, but yeah, I didn't take it in that well and it was a long time ago. Um, it's just things like knowing my way around, knowing where the toilets are, knowing where the canteen is, knowing where like a safe place can be to like escape to if you need to. Um, and just your rooms as well and like where you might sit and things. Yeah, the hot spots in the college that you know. So if mm. you, you know, there'll be bits that you're unfamiliar with and then you can retreat to the places that you know and then they'll slowly expand from there. Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing is, even if you've had the opportunity to do those things, um, realistically, I think they've had to make so many changes to education establishments and everywhere that we're visiting that even if you had seen it, it may well look quite diff different now because we know that schools are probably having to introduce like one-way systems. Um, and then obviously in the last couple of days, there's been a bit of a turnaround with the whole um, face mask scenario and we know that's that's you know face masks I think are really difficult for young people anyway but especially when we're working with people Rachel and Sevgi that have got a diagnosis and that really rely on on reading people's 
body language and facial expressions how 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 are they going to cope with that do you think um i'm not sure to be honest um i feel like that is why a lot of our appointments are now virtual just so that young people can see our face and see like our facial expressions um and just the fact that they don't they they feel uncomfortable coming into the clinic and seeing us wear a face mask it's not the same and it and i guess it makes us feel uncomfortable to a certain degree because we can't we can't like express ourselves the same way we would normally and we can't show that make that that way we would enough true feelings so i guess it's, it's very difficult and i guess having to go to school and wear a face mask i don't i don't know I'm, i don't know how that would i can't picture it to be honest i think there's been a lot of um adaptations that we've needed to kind of adjust to over the last few months and i think um a, a lot of anxious feelings can come from that uncertainty from that sort of not knowing what to expect um and I think that's completely natural and completely normal in the current situation to feel those things. Um, and I, I think, Sevgi, you probably have the same experience, but from people that I've spoken to, most people are feeling a bit anxious. I think, um, you know, staff as well, staff aren't feeling necessarily as comfortable as they normally would. Um, so I think if you are feeling that way, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, and I think everyone's kind of feeling the same at the moment. Um, but as, as as far as the face masks go, actually, that is a really tricky barrier, isn't it? When half half of your face is kind of covered, um, uh, I think there isn't an easy workaround around that. But it's, I guess, just kind of wearing it where where necessary. And um, I don't know, have there been sessions where you can be socially distanced or anything like that? Is that a possibility anymore? Um, not here. There isn't. Um, a face mask must be worn by clinicians and then it's more advisory for the young person coming in with their families so I guess yeah there's still that barrier there when they do come in that's one of those things where there is a little bit of just kind of accepting that it's really difficult at the moment and if we meet challenges or we meet barriers or you're finding things a bit difficult not beating ourselves up about that but saying this is just it's really difficult but I can cope with this you know I, we can get through this situation um, and just kind of accepting that think that is it's difficult but it's kind of the way that is at the moment with face masks yeah yeah what, what are your experiences, Jay and Lucy? Have you been out and about much? Have you sort of had to, to deal with that? And how has that felt for you? Yeah, um, I haven't really minded it. But I know if I was younger, like if I was like under like 15, I probably would have really struggled with the masks. Um, because as a kid, like I didn't like it when I couldn't see people's faces, whether that was from like, character masks or like motorbike helmets it used to really freak me out um so I don't know how I would have coped if I was younger right now um and like and even wearing one I think sensory wise that would have been a nightmare and I don't I don't love it now um but I don't mind it too much it's quite nice to hide away sometimes um I went on a long train journey and had to wear one which wasn't too bad it was just really hot which um yeah it just took a lot of getting used to and like steaming up your glasses and stuff it isn't it's not very pleasant <laughs> but I'll do it you know yeah. that's that's the same with me they're not too bad you know I sometimes you know I fiddle about with them a lot always stressing like is it covering my nose properly is it on properly is it bending my ears it's like another thing to be socially anxious about 
Um, and when it does steam up your glasses, you know, it's another thing to get flustered about. Um, but I don't find them that bad in and of themselves. It's all the new social rules for me. Like, I've stopped going into uh, supermarkets at the moment as far as I can because I just find it really hard with the... Because there's social distancing and sanitation and all those rules, but everybody seems to pay attention to them in varying amounts. And it's like I spent 16 years trying to get a grip on the social rules and now they've all changed and they're all different. And I just get really stressed out, which is sad because some of my independence has kind of dropped with that. Like I used to just walk around Bedford on my own all the time. Whereas now, particularly if I'm in shops, I most of the time want to stay near some somebody. How do you think that might affect you when you go back to college? Um, it's hard to tell, particularly because college is new and because I've been out of education for so long. Um, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to gain some back and I'll get more used to it again. And obviously, um, you're both a bit older, but presumably, um, Sevgi and Rachel, you're both working with children that are much younger, and and uh, I know our NDT teams deal with young people from a very young age. So, have you? Um, how have you found that our, our younger children are, are coping with all of these changes that have been taking place? The social distancing, you know. Um, all of it how how are they coping and how are you supporting them to cope sorry I'll go <laughs> um I, I don't have an easy answer for that actually um a lot of the work I've done I've, I've spent some time talking to some parents recently and it's just very common that um that I think the return to school is just going to be a bit difficult um I know that there there is a lot of anxiety. Um, there is that kind of not wanting to go back because of that lack of lack of expectation, lack of knowing what's going to happen. Um, and they some schools have tried to do like a walk around, so they'll send maps. They do virtual tours on um, on the internet. So it might be the case that if you're unsure, you could like look up your school online. They might have put a virtual tour up. Um, some schools have done that so you can see how to walk around you can see where the bathrooms are I know that that's a worry for some young people you know like you were saying where's where's the toilet where's the quiet place that I can go if I need to um, and if it's possible and if, if that tour isn't online or there isn't anyone um, if it's possible to speak to someone at the school or email they might be able to say actually yeah we can arrange this and we can we can do a virtual tour for you um, so I think that's it it tends to be again arming yourself with with information um is is kind of the best way of doing it um and there are kind of different anxiety techniques and things as well that we've begun to talk about um i don't know if you want to discuss those now or in a little bit i know sevgi's used some of those as well um yeah i was just gonna add actually um just in terms of like feedback from young people so varied at the moment i mean i have a young person that's anxious because his structure has gone like completely out um, over the wall. I mean, he he's anxious because he doesn't know what school is going to look like when he goes back. On the other hand, we have young people who are pretty comfortable at home and are anxious that they're now going to have to like redo a whole routine and start from scratch again. Um, like you guys were saying, I mean, 
from from what I've been trying to do is trying to like contact schools, contact colleges, see like what we can do to help, how much information we can find out, even if they're not providing it, maybe just like calling up and saying, you know, this person is quite anxious about this, like what can we do to help? Like what and just answering questions that they have and they might be like small things like can I can I go to the toilet when I need to or like am I still gonna get the lunch that I want or is it just gonna be given to me like whatever is there? And it's just answering those small things that actually might make you feel quite anxious that you might not think it would. I think that's, no, that's a good point, is that sorry, Jay, go on. It's okay. Um I was just gonna say like again, if I I think if I was in like full time school like I had been up to like a year or two ago. I always found that transition at the end, like going back after half term really difficult for those reasons. And I can't imagine how it would be now with the added, like, I guess before it was like, I it used to stress me out if the like seating arrangement changed. So now that fact that that's definitely going to change would be scary. Um, and yeah, I guess I, I can't imagine how hard it would have been for me to go through that at the moment or like when I was younger. So, so something that um, our team have talked about that might be helpful is having as much structure and routine at, at home as possible. So kind of making sure that at home, which feels kind of um, maybe a bit safer than school at the moment, we know what to expect at home, is having that kind of morning routine and a night routine. It can be even sort of um, writing it up on a sheet of paper and having that on the wall. And it sounds like quite a simple solution, but again, it, it allows you to kind of structure your morning or structure your evening. Some people might find that helpful. Some people might not find that helpful at all. Um, have you guys tried anything like that, Lucy and Jay? We use that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I've i always like loved a routine. Um, and I always used to like write it out or have like symbols and things. Um, and I think... Definitely now, maybe maybe now, but uh, definitely earlier on in lockdown, I structured my day. I always have the same morning and evening routine as I did when I went to school. But like in the day, I always made sure I had something planned, like in the morning, I'm going to do this, or in the afternoon, we're going to go for a walk and stuff like that. So I had some routine, like a lockdown routine, which was really helpful. I think it's something that you can prepare and work with your family to put in place quite easily. Lucy, I know that's something that we've discussed, isn't it, that you've really struggled with that lack of structure? Yeah, I think, well, I think everything here is new for everyone, but because my diagnosis is quite recent, um, it was November last year, which feels a lot more recent than it is, but I still think that's pretty recent. Um, I really haven't had much... Uh, experience in helping to care for myself I guess and enforcing my own routine is something that I've never done before and I feel quite intimidated by because I do like my routines but I've never had one kind of controlled by me before it's always been like education or parents when I was younger and things like that so at the moment you know I have kind of keystones um so like I'll for me it's important that I don't spend the day in my pajamas. I'll always get dressed and have a shower if I need to and have like food at the appropriate times. And I think that's working for me at the moment. 
And it's hard, isn't it? Because we've got children that are at home, like older, older young people like yourselves, who your parents might be at work. So there's no one there to sort of, you know, control that for you. So, you know, it's, 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 there's so many challenges, aren't there? Mm. Yeah, I think starting simple, especially if you find that quite anxiety provoking is definitely the, like, the first step to take. And it's about hitting all those like key milestones in the middle of the day, like eating, drinking, making sure you're looking after yourself. And I guess because um, young people might be worried or just anxious in general about COVID, they might just forget to eat or they might just completely be like unaware of what they should be doing just because of the lack of routine that they have. So I guess you actually making sure that you're doing that is quite important. Yeah, and I think like making sure you're doing the things you enjoy but not letting them take over because I know that like when you get fixated on something, it's easy to just do that all day until you have to stop, whether that's like creative stuff or video games or whatever. Make sure you, you stop and eat and stop and shower and do those important things as well. Like I think sometimes having a set time using timers or just like using the clock to like know oh, at one o'clock I'm going to have my lunch and whatever I'm doing I'm going to stop then um, making sure you put those things in place so you don't just get carried away in your interests. Yeah, so do you do that on a daily basis then Jay is that something you you sort of draw up your timetable for the day or do you have it set for the week or how does it um, work for you? Like it depends really how I'm doing with my mental health really if I'm really struggling I have more of a structure because I know it helps me more um, but in terms of writing it out if I have a lot to do I'll write it out um, but things like my morning routine um, it has been the same for so long I kind of know the timings and everything um, but yeah in the past I've had it like in the summer holidays I used to do it more I, when I was younger I used to write it out um, more of a plan or like if we're going out I like to know what time we're going out or what time we're going for a walk um, and things like that yeah and I guess that's another thing that we kind of recommend um, is keeping timers and having like a visual schedule so that like especially young people who might not be able to control their routine so much have like an understanding and awareness of what's going on um, yeah, and just in terms of, like, going for a walk or, like, you know, having dinner, having a bath, watching TV and just making them aware of that, I guess. And then it get, also gives them more independence in terms of not having to ask their parents what they're doing every hour um, and gives the parents, I guess, a bit of leeway as well. Mm -hmm. That's a good point, actually. I wondered... Um, uh, you, you were sort of saying, Jay, what you enjoy doing and, you know, getting kind of absorbed in things that you enjoy. Um, do you use those to kind of relax if you're feeling a bit kind of worried about things or what sort of things do you do to, to relax? Yeah, I, I do a lot of artwork, which I find quite relaxing, um, which is what I'm interested in or just generally like watching things, playing video games or um, like just looking up things that interest me, like, yeah, I use them to relax, which my day tends to be made up of those things that I'm interested in because there isn't really anything else going on. Um, so, yeah, I think being able to have that time to focus on things you enjoy is, really helps your mental health generally um, to keep you in a good place. Yeah, I know my interest at the moment is I 
like play games with online friends but what's working quite well for me at the moment is that my friend online I would happily play with her all day but she's from Canada so she's five hours behind us so that it always means I'll she's not up so I'll have to, I'll spend the morning doing different things and then she'll always get up at a similar time and then we'll play so it works quite well. There's kind of a structure based on what works for both of you. Yeah. Um, I was just going to ask, like, when you go back to college, how do you, how are you going to try and like get, make sure your interests are still continuing with them? Um, I think, well, because we're we're actually we're both going to go back to college because she's going to college in Canada. Um, so I'm hoping, I think I'll still have time for these things, particularly since I know, um, we're supposed to be doing having two days in college and two days at home as it starts but you know I think there'll be time what about you Jane yeah mine's similar mine's three days a week I'll have college so I'm hoping on those other days I'll get work done that I need to do um but also make time for my interests because I know I haven't been in like education where you're in nine till four or whatever um for like two years at least and even then it was like on and off because I used to like have a reduced timetable so I know I used to always really struggle with doing anything after school because I'd be so tired, both socially and physically. Um, so I used to just watch TV or sleep um, and then have dinner and then go back to bed. Um, so I, I don't really want to get back to that, but I, I think that I need to be realistic and know that, yeah, I might not be able to do things after, after when I come home, um, but having those extra days in the week and the weekend, I'll make time to do things I enjoy. And that's really good because I, I can kind of pick up from both of you uh, the importance of kind of maintaining the things that can make you feel good as well as, um, you know, starting college. And I think whenever we have these uh, stressful periods in our lives, um, so it could be a transition or global pandemic, um, it, maintaining the stuff that's really important to us and, and that makes us feel good is really important. Um, and the other thing is, I, I don't know, do either of you have any sort of techniques that you use or anything that you you use to feel better if you are feeling a bit anxious about things? Um, I tend to just like stuff I've learned through mental health support and things is just lots of like self-soothing stuff um, and like sensory activities are really helpful and relaxing. Um, weighted blankets are amazing like curling up with a blanket and watching tv or um being a like I think sometimes just it's helpful to be on your own and have your own space but also be around people so you feel safe like you don't necessarily have to talk to them but sometimes I just go in my room in like rather than sitting in my room on my own I'll take my headphones and go and sit in the lounge but at least I'm around my family um so you, you don't have too much thinking space um but also, yeah, I guess just um, those things that, I don't know, just taking care of yourself and your mind at the same time. Lucy, anything that you find that's particularly helpful? Um, I guess I tend to have a little bank of things that I really enjoy and you can't always do them, so I tend to have to pick and often it depends on how stressed out I am. Um, so one of them, famous with my mum, if I have a really bad day, sometimes we'll get Indian. Um, but obviously you can't 
you know, if you're having a bad week, you can't get Indian every day of the week. <laughs> um, so being able to play with my friends or watch my favorite film with a big bowl of popcorn, you know, I have a lot of these kind of little activities that, and I can pick one that feels appropriate. Yeah, I think like you said, with like your favorite film, I think that familiarity can be quite good. Like I know there's a certain TV show that I watch on repeat, like on Netflix, it's always on my watch being watched. I just watch it on repeat and I know it all like it's a long, it's a long like series, but um, I think sometimes I don't, I'm not even watching it. It's just on, but it's, it's comforting to know because you know what to expect. You yes. know what's happening, you know, when people laugh and like um it's just familiar in that way um I think having those things that are familiar can be really helpful when everything else is all over the place mm. you've both got pets haven't you do you find your that's quite therapeutic yes I've learned a secret trick with one of my cats to get her to sit on my lap um you guys can see my petticoat behind me she loves to sit on it so if I know I'm going to have a stressful day I'll purposefully wear the petticoat so that she'll like corner me and sit on my lap (laughs) that's clever that's so good and how about you Jay you've got Molly haven't you yeah I have a dog um and she's amazing so I think both from a distraction point of view and a sensory point of view she's brilliant because she's something to look at and talk to and um She's still quite young, so she's all over the place. You've got to t- stop her chewing things. and So it's a good distraction if you need to distract in or just stroking her or, like, the weight of her um, sitting on you can be really nice and soothing um, and, like, the smell and everything. So they're just really nice to be around sometimes. So without having your... Um, sort of the routine that you were used to have you found it easy to find people to talk to when you've been struggling um how's that been for you um I mean I kind of didn't have I had a support worker that I saw regularly before lockdown who I'm still seeing in person which has been really helpful but in terms of like therapy support I haven't really had that until recently and I've started it um but that's been online um which I think has been quite difficult for me like I'm doing it every week and it's going okay but I am finding it hard the fact I've never met this person face to face like I know what his face looks like but I don't know how tall he is or like Mm. anything like that um so I find that really weird and I don't know if I'm ever going to get to meet him and I find that a bit uncertain and worrying and I think it's it's strange not having that and going from I used like before lockdown I was having I was still like kind of under cams after my discharge and I was having quite an intense support um around me and then that all kind of just stopped suddenly um and then because I'm too old now I'm never going to go back but that's also the transition to adult services that's like a whole other thing and I think that's like a lot to manage yeah how about you, Lucy? Have you found it easy to find someone to talk to, whether it's um, your you know, support from CAMS or friends and family? How's that been for you? Yeah, it's um, a lot of different things. I've been seeing my therapist that I used to see in person 
online on video chat, which I've also been finding difficult because um, it just feels wrong. Like it's technically the same. She's the same person, but it's not the same. Um, but I find kind of moving myself around the house helps because I used to do it here at my desk, but this is also where I play video games with my friends. So I've moved and now I do it on my phone in the living room and stuff like that. Um, but I think with people to talk to, I've just been so fortunate to meet my online friends because I'd had not great experiences with the friendship and then I dropped out of school so I didn't really have many opportunities so to be able to meet these people who were actually nice was both lovely in and of itself and kind of gave me hope like wow this friendships can be good um yeah and they're really lovely and that is one good thing about quarantine is that we got to know each other really quickly because we had a lot of time (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, early on in lockdown, I really struggled with not being able to see my friends because I saw um, lots of people from different places. And I think every week I would, even though I wasn't in full-time school, I would make the effort to see people a couple of times a week. Um, and that would be a good motivator for me, like, mental health-wise, and it would help my mood and stuff like that. Um, So for those couple of months where we couldn't even meet up with people, I found hard because I don't like talking on the phone. Video calls okay, but I didn't do it with my friends. Um, So it was just text and I felt a bit disconnected. But then it was really nice when we could start seeing each other again. And now I've kind of got into a new routine of like meeting up with people once a week um, for a walk or like for coffee now we could go out which is good so some things are coming back to normal which I really like and I'm really grateful for um I'm glad it didn't go on too long where I couldn't see them because I would have really struggled with that. Sethgi and Rachel how have you found that different young people have coped with the ways that CAMS are offering their therapy now because obviously we we've had to adapt as a service haven't we 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 really traditionally we were only doing face-to-face appointments weren't we so how how are you finding your connection with young people um i think again it's quite varied um some people are okay with doing the whole face-to-face thing although they find it weird they think it's better than not doing at all whereas some people are quite comfortable at home and quite safe at home they feel that don't they don't need the therapy while at home while in lockdown so they're kind of just like well we can talk later or like when lockdown's over and when when face-to-face is happening um I think checking in over the phone is also something that they're okay with but I guess for them it's really weird and really different like even trying to do like assessments or like initial assessments it's been really hard and for families to get used to as well like trying to connect to a video call and if they're not used to it like having that difficulty and then and then just having like technical difficulties which is also can become a problem I know I was trying to do a virtual video call the other week and it wasn't working and me and the parent were just like okay this isn't great. So we ended up doing a phone call, which I guess wasn't the same because then there wasn't that face-to-face kind of communication there. Yeah, and I've, I've had a, a similar experience just in that um, some people have found the, the video, like even the video call, just completely um, too too difficult. Something, something about the fact you're not in the room with the person, um, you've got this kind of Odd, odd kind of screen in front of you and um, for some people that's really difficult um, whereas some people prefer it I think 
um, a lot of people, there was a lot of anxiety around the virus. So really just not wanting to be exposed to anywhere that there could potentially be the virus. Um, so it did feel safe to be at home. And again, yeah, it's really just dependent on the individual, what they're comfortable with, um, what they're used to. Um, and there's no, yeah, no right way of doing it, really. I guess it's um, also about like adapting to the, the young people's needs and and I guess when we like created the back to school book and pack it was all about like having all these various different techniques and various different like information that parents could use but actually remembering that not everything's going to work and you know using what you know about your young person and what the young person knows about themselves because they know best and keeping that in mind that like not everything's just going to work it's not going to be easy but if you find something that works it's quite unique to that young person to go with it I, I was just going to add to that and say there's if you feel comfortable there's nothing wrong with experimenting either so um there's nothing wrong with trying something and seeing whether it works or whether it feels right for you and then if it doesn't that's okay move on and try something else um there's, there's nothing wrong with saying actually this isn't working for me can we try some can we try something else Absolutely. So, um, Sethgi, you mentioned that you've um, developed a resource pack. So, what is that, and where can where can people find that? Um, yeah. So, me, Rachel and I developed a back to school anxiety pack um, that is for parents and young people, and it gives a lot of information on what anxiety is, um, how parents can help young people. Um, and what they need to maybe keep an eye out for, what they need to remember. Um, and then it gives like young people little activities that they might find helpful um, to use and helpful to maybe understand their anxiety and maybe work with it and kind of find coping methods that will help them when they are feeling anxious. Um, I yeah, I don't know where they can find it at the moment, to be fair. <laughs> We're sending it out to... Um, Clinicians are sending it out to young people that they think would be helpful um, and we are just telling them to keep in mind that obviously it's a massive book, um, well not massive but it's quite large, um, so to like not think that the whole thing's going to work and just to like adapt it to the young person's needs. So maybe if we can um, get the link to those resources added onto our CAMS website, I think that would be really helpful, wouldn't it? Because obviously not everyone that's listening to this podcast is going to be a CAMS service user or a parent accessing that. So um, I think what we'll arrange to do, we've got really good links with our um, bar local offer website. So for Central Beds, Bedfordshire, and Luton and we can arrange for a link to those resources to be added onto those local offer websites. I think um, it sounds like they'd be a really helpful tool for parents because we know that parents are going to be feeling just as anxious if not more anxious aren't they than, than uh, especially um, maybe parents of younger children. Yeah I mean from my experience I've found that they're kind of like not knowing what to do in a way because obviously young people are at school for a certain period of time during the day and that was very structured and you know their parents were like okay with their children being at school but then being at home and they're not having that same structure having to be a teacher I guess all these different boundaries that are having to be changed for the young person and for the parent it's quite difficult and 
I'm sure a lot of parents are actually really stressed at the moment just thinking about how they're keeping their young person's routine or how they're making their young person cope with all the anxiety because they also don't know the answers to all the COVID problem questions. Mm. I suppose then there's that fear that when they go back to school, you know, um, maybe that there's been quite a chunk of their education that's been missing and how do we catch up? I think the thing to remember is for everybody that all young people and all children are in the same um, boat, aren't they? And that as much as, you know, there's education hasn't been the same. So they're all going to be going back to school and all in a position where they, you know, they've missed out and they're all going to be catching up. So not to think that their young person is any worse off than anyone else, really. Yeah, it's and it's about, remind, yeah, it's about reminding them of that. And actually, um, I mean, one thing that we were suggesting was that if a young person is worried about going to school or to college because they don't know how it's going to be, about that, the parent keeping them informed, like as much as they know, they should just share the information and making sure that actually they have all the information they need to know. So the key thing seemed to be then that, um, you know, reach out to these education establishments, find out what what um, resources they've got virtually to sort of familiarise yourself or um, as a parent or as a young person with where you're going to be, how things are going to look, ask lots of questions. Yeah, yeah and also just that there's... Um, there's no right answer at the moment, I think. That can feel a bit uncontaining. That can feel a bit scary. But there's no one way of feeling. There's no right way of doing things. Uh, and actually, just to, just to everyone, just be nice to them to themselves at the moment. Um, and things feel a bit up in the air. Lucy, Jay, any words of advice for young people out there who might be listening? Um, I guess, like prepare as much as you can like we've said contact the school but also things like uniform and like pencil cases and stuff like that your bag what you're going to take prepare that sort of thing that you can prepare and control um in advance I've always found that really helpful write it write a list of what you need to take and start putting your bag together and things I, I find that quite helpful so you know you're ready for the day when it comes yeah, I agree. And also, um, not to judge yourself or put pressure on yourself for what those things should be. I've said it before in terms of how you cope with quarantine, like stressing that you should be learning a language and picking up all these new hobbies and blah, blah, blah. Whereas if, if what you're doing, you feel okay, then that's great. Don't feel so stressed out. And I think that applies to preparing for education as well. For me... I've been preparing to go to college by buying loads of pink clothing because I love pink and want to wear new pink clothing to college. So just whatever it is that would make you just feel even a tiny bit more prepared. Thank you. Sevgi, any, any advice that you have? I mean, I feel like I'll just be rephrasing, but yeah, basically having all the information that you need and maybe just making a plan like, you know, when I go to school, when I go to college and I'm going to be anxious about X, Y and Z, this is what I'm going to do or this is who I'm going to find or this is where I'm going to go. 
and just having that in the back of your mind um, and maybe like, you know, having a safe place, having a safe teacher or a safe friend that you can talk to or turn to. I think those things are quite important, especially when you're feeling anxious and you're going into a new environment. I think one of the um, one of the things that you were um, going to share with us now was maybe some some techniques to cope with anxiety. Is that right? Do you have an exercise for us to finish? Yeah. So there's a, a couple of things, I guess. Um, when, when it comes to those like really acute feelings of anxiety, there are some things that we can do kind of in the moment to make ourselves feel better. So this might be literally like the morning of going into college, feeling very overwhelmed um but there are different sort of routines you can do a lot of it involves breathing um so if i share one and then sevki do you want to share one as well sure. um, so one that's quite common is um the grounding technique so we call it the five four three two one grounding technique um, so when we're feeling very overwhelmed in the moment it can help us just to kind of acknowledge what's around us so it's helpful to notice five things that you can see around you. So using your vision, um, four things that you can physically feel, um, three things that you can hear around you, two that you can smell, and one that you can taste. And obviously, if some people have various kind of sensory preferences or things that they find difficult, you can leave out any, any stage of that that you don't enjoy doing. Um, but if there are kind of things around you that you are comfortable doing so you can see and you can feel and um, it can help just to ground you in the moment um, and get out of our anxious brains a little bit um, and also another one that we suggested in the pack was the calming routine so um, clenching your fist for and um, sorry clenching your fist and relaxing four times so kind of like this sort of movement but then breathing at the same time um, supposed to help lovely thank you are they techniques that you've come across jay or that you would find useful yeah i think so like um i think grounding and both of them are quite grounding techniques which sound really helpful because um, i think sometimes focusing on breathing is what's always recommended but sometimes that can be quite hard to do um i don't know whether that's just like from a ASD perspective or other people as well I don't know but I think sometimes focusing on the senses is a bit easier to do um, than your breathing like internal feelings mm. and I guess it's um, just important about finding what works for you in that moment and then sticking to that some things that won't work for me might not work for anyone else um, and it's just about like acknowledging that as well yeah that's a good point, actually, um, is that there's a wealth of information online. Um, I know that people spend a lot of time looking at things online these days, but I think especially with um, the pandemic situation, there's been lots of resources created. Um, so if people wanted and they felt motivated to, um, there's just so much information about, you know, anxiety techniques and workbooks and free resources out there. So certainly have a, have a rummage on the internet. Have a look. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much to everybody that's contributed to this conversation today. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've um, found it interesting. Um, and yeah, I'd just like to say thank you, Sevgi. Um, thank you for having me. It's been really great. Um, Rachel, thank you for your contributions.
Yeah, thank you everyone for the for the good discussion. Um, Jay and Lucy, I'd like to say um, congratulations to both of you on your exam success um, or result success, should I say, because there weren't any exams, were they? Um, and all the very best of luck to you um, over the next couple of weeks in the start of a new chapter of your education. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. You've been listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford CAMS team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag camstalkpodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.